You're listening to Biz Quick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. Biz Quick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And on today's episode, we have John Torrens. He's out of Syracuse, New York. He's an entrepreneur and he's a professor at Syracuse University and he's a TEDx speaker. He's an expert in the relationship between ADHD and entrepreneurship. I'm really excited to talk to him. We'll bring him on in a bit. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to him too, just simply because there's a lot of probably misconceptions that I have about ADHD or ADD or, or any of those things. And, you know, just based upon probably memes or things you see in like television or movies or whatever interactions I know with people who have been diagnosed with it. But um, we'll be interested to see how how he kind of takes that approach towards, you know, and uses it for for the purposes of good when it comes to business. Yeah. So I did a little bit of research before we um, started to record today. And one of the things that I guess I was surprised to learn was that entrepreneurship is good for people with ADHD, the study show, because they're able to focus well on things they're passionate about. And so if you're going to, you know, go into business, you're going to start a business, it's probably, well, ideally it should be something you're passionate about. Um, so that would make it that, you know, bodes well for people with ADHD in terms of working on things that they're passionate about, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I would assume if you're passionate, maybe that that passion helps you focus versus, you know, when you're stuck doing a, you know, crappy nine to five cubicle job, you know, you just, you can't focus because you you don't want to, frankly. Yeah. I, what, you know, interestingly enough, just yesterday I was listening to a um, talk by Ed Milet in, you know, the Arte group, he was talking about the importance of obsession and he kind of gave me this like whole new perspective on like, he was saying it's really, really good to be obsessed with things, right? Like you need to take a break from it every once in a while but that when you are obsessed with something, it actually, it's really good from a business perspective because it advances you quicker, right? You, you want to, it's all you think about, it's all you do, right? So I was like, damn, how can I be obsessed with sales? Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm now thinking that too. How can you be obsessed with sales? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay, well, I need to spend less time thinking about this and more time thinking about this. And, you know, cause he was kind of talking about that that concept, I'm sure you've heard this before, right? Where if you got into your car and you went for a drive and you said, I am thinking about yellow cars, you would see yellow cars everywhere because you had put it in the front of your mind. But then if I asked you, hey, how many blue cars did you see? You'd be like, there were blue cars? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was kind of like that that experiment that I showed you with the people passing the basketball and the gorilla goes through. Oh yes. I was like, wait, there was a gorilla. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're so focused on that, which is great. But then there's also like you, like, in my opinion, you can miss so many other things, obviously like a gorilla in the background of a, you know, of that, that psychology experiment or whatever it was where 
you're obsessed with yellow cars, but what if blue cars are where the business is? Exactly. And what's interesting is, you know, you, I always find myself in a situation and I'm curious because we've never talked about this before. Like when we're doing business stuff, I always find myself wondering if I'm like heavily focused on something like I'm like, you know, for a few weeks there, we were all in on getting everything ready for foundation 52. Right. So it felt like all these other things fell by the wayside that were still important things for our business. And when, you know, when there's just two of us and I, you know, you have the things you own, I have the things that I own, and then there's things that we work on together. But when I'm just all in focused on one thing, I feel like all these other things that are important are slipping. And it's really hard for me to figure out like, how do I give attention to the right things at the right time? Right. That's a really big struggle um, because I don't want things to fall through the cracks, but it's not possible to work through everything all at once. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is for that. Cause like I, I, I years ago felt kind of the same way. And then at some point just kind of was like, well, you can only get done what you can get done. So, you know, just focus on the things that are important. If uh, other stuff doesn't get done, it just doesn't get done. I know we have such completely different approaches to, to how we do work. Yeah. Right. So different. It's sometimes it's amazing that we're able to work together. <laughs> sure. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like, I, I think that I, I don't know if it's a mindset or, you know, which ways, which one's better or worse, or if one is better or worse, but, you know, just being able to, to prioritize and, and, and just kind of tune out the you know that nagging sensation in the back of your head of like oh i didn't get this done and get this done it's like well there's always tomorrow yeah they're right and i guess that's why we use the you know the the task list and we're like cross things off when they're done and we have pretty much the week mapped out you can't predict some of the things that are going to come your way but um it's nice to it's nice to be able to focus and on on the important things and i do like that we, you know, the way that we divided up the work, I don't know that we really had, we didn't have a plan when we started, right? For who was going to do this and who was going to do that. I think some of the things were more obvious for us. Like it was clear I was going to own social media. Yeah. <laughs> because you don't have social media. Sure. Um, but, you know, things like writing blogs or, you know, the technology, like it could, you could have easily been like, no, Julie, you need to be the person who is, building the website or, you know, managing things in Kajabi. And I've been like, okay, well, I got to learn them, but now you got to go do sales. And I think you could have, you could do sales. I think you could easily do sales. Could versus want. Yes. Just a big yes. differentiator. Yeah. There. Right. So, you know, you kind of, it's not even necessarily when there's just two of us that we're focusing on everything, not everything that we do is in our, is, is in our wheelhouse. Like, right. I don't, not everything that I focus on every day is something that I feel like I'm really good at, mm -hmm. but it's necessary for the business. So it's like, all right, you got to find a way to get it done. And, um, but I do find myself, you know, kind of, you know, coming back around to that whole focus and passion and what we're going to, what we might learn about ADHD today is that I find myself when I am, when I don't really enjoy doing the task or I'm not good at it, a lot of 
what I would refer to as context switching, right? So I'll be like, all right, let me go work on this for a little bit. And then I'll be like, oh, look over there, there's a squirrel. And then I get distracted. And all of a sudden it's like four hours later and I'm like, oh crap, I did not even, maybe I have ADHD, Corey. I think that's just called procrastination. <laughs> there you go, that might be, that might just be called procrastination. Um, all right, should we? Yeah, let's wrap this up and uh, let's bring in John. All right, yeah, I'm excited to bring him in. All right, welcome back to the show. We've got John Torrance. He's an entrepreneur, he's an educator, and he's a bit of an expert on ADHD, and he is out of Syracuse, New York. Welcome to the show, John. We're happy to have you here. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, every, there's, there's generally a story behind how, you know, people, um, where they end up in terms of business or where they focus their career on, right? The very few people, well, some people, but very few navigate by accident to where they're at. So, I feel like there's probably a story behind how you became such an, you know, so passionate about ADHD and, and being entrepreneurs. So you want to give us a little bit of a background here? Of course, I'd love to. I've been an entrepreneur most of my life, like a lot of us, right? You shoveled driveways, mowed lawns, bought packs of gum and sold them off in individual pieces to your classmates, you know, all those types of things, right? So those were those were things that were part of my life. I as a kid, I was a hustler. I, I didn't know it at the time, but that's just that was how I was wired, you know. And that kind of carried through until I was an adult. I, uh, I started my own, my first business right out of graduate school, and um, you know I was able to put the pieces together, connect the dots, if you will, in a way that some of my competitors weren't. I was I was a speech language pathologist and I was able to grow a practice uh, of, of some size. It started out with just me, but then I, I got up to maybe 10 or 12 employees. And I remember sitting around looking at everybody on my little conference table thinking, holy cow, these people are trusting me. They think I know what I'm doing and I, I really have no idea what I'm doing, right? So I, I was going after you know different knowledge. Uh, I ended up going up to the university and saying I wanted to get in their MBA program, and they said, "Well, you should do a PhD program." And I said, "Well, all right, well, why not?" Right? <laughs> that sounds good to me. So anyway, as I was growing my company, so so the the part of that story that's important is my every everything about my doctoral program. I used my growing business as the the subject matter or the lab experiment, right? So I took introduction to business law. I made sure all my contracts were in order. I took introduction to marketing. I made sure my marketing uh, plan was up to snuff, everything along the way. So now all of a sudden I've got, you know, maybe 75 employees and everything that was really working well for me up to that point, you know, just being able to hustle and make connections and get people excited and sign contracts and just put things together it started to fall apart on me. The, the bigger the company got, the more demanding it became in terms of the need for policies and procedures and structure. And that's where, for me, I started realizing, I, I don't know that I'm the guy for this, you know? So it first came up when some of my leadership team was really struggling working with me. They had a heart-to-heart -heart with me and they said, look, we don't know what it is, but you drive us nuts, right? You know, you change priorities. You don't even look at us when we're in meetings. You're doing everything but looking at us. You're checking your BlackBerry. You're answering the phone. You're looking off in the in the space. So I was working with a, a, a CEO coach at the time, and she suggested that I just go see a psychiatrist uh, for an ADHD evaluation. So I did that. And part of that process was 
I had to write to my parents and have them send me copies of my old report cards, like from elementary school. And the things that were in those report cards were comments like, you know, if John would just apply himself, he has so much potential. Or, you know, he, he shouts out the answers in class without raising his hand and is disruptive to other students. Or he gets his work done really quickly and then he just bothers everybody, right? It was things like that. And then of course the formal evaluation, really, you know, it, it was pretty obvious to the doctor. He's like, yeah, you've had this your whole life. You've just learned to manage it. Um, so what do you want to do about it now? And I tried the medication route, didn't really love it because I realized it was just, it was just dampening all the things that I did that were helpful and good. Uh, so I, so I went with other compensation strategies, but that's, that's how I realized it. I had it my whole life, but it didn't really come to light until I started struggling with where my business was in its life cycle. I've always wondered, uh how somebody gets diagnosed with ADHD, just because it's, it's not like you can run a blood test and come back positive with what, you know, with it. And, and I feel like most adults have it to some degree, you know, it, it's, it, I mean, uh, you know, th there's obviously uh, the, the outliers here and there, but for the most part, everybody has a hard time focusing. Everybody's, especially in today's world with so many distractions going on, it's, it's so hard to just sit down and focus on one thing. So how did you go about managing it without, without medication? Yeah, well, it, I, I did try some meds and they, I had mixed results. Like some, some of the meds like Vyvanse, for example, made me focus like crazy, but I felt wired and jittery all the time and I couldn't sleep and my appetite wasn't great. So, you know, I went through all the different meds and was like, you know, forget it. But, but in terms of ADHD, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of it in society now, especially the distractibility and the inattentive part. So there's two types of ADHD, right? One is inattentive, where you're distracted all the time. You look kind of lazy. That's what you appear to others as. You lose things all the time. You're like the absent-minded professor, you know, those types of things. But then there's hyperactive and impulsive ADHD. This is the person who's always moving. They're bouncing off the walls. They're talking really fast, kind of like I'm doing now. I just caught myself. And, you know, th those types of things. And interestingly enough, in our research, we found that it's hyperactive and impulsive ADHD that correlates more with entrepreneurial success, whereas inattentive ADHD doesn't correlate as much. So the people with inattentive type, they really have to manage those symptoms. Whereas people with hyperactive and impulsive ADHD, it's really just a matter of harnessing them and making them work for them. Wow. So um, do you still have the business? Well, interestingly enough, I, um, I, I sold it, bought it back, sold it. And just yesterday morning, I signed a deal to buy a competitor because my non-compete was up on March 1st. So, you know, 17 days into it, what, what else am I going to do? <laughs> so, so I do, um, I do have it. I, I'm, I'm back in control, which is great. But, you know, since, since I was out, I've been a, an early stage investor in a, in a cannabis startup, in a telemedicine company, and a couple other smaller companies. So, yeah, I've always been involved in business, even since I've been a, a professor at Syracuse University. Yeah, that, um, I, I have to say, you know, I circle back to when you were telling the story about you know, your, your staff having that conversation with you, like that had to be incredibly hard from every direction, right? For them to um, have the conversation for you to hear it. But I think the one thing that's really important to note in there is really centers around your 
your leadership in that they all felt comfortable enough to have the conversation with you versus explore some because there's a lot of other ways that could have gone right yeah. so to be able to come in and say like yeah we don't really like working with you um, <laughs> right mm -hmm. and it wasn't we don't like you we don't right. like working with you right and right. and you have to hear that message the way that it's intended so kudos mm -hmm. to that team for for having that courage but kudos to you for having built a team that felt that knew they were in a spot where they could say that those things to you yeah no thanks yeah it's um it, it was more of a conversation because we all felt like we were building something cool and meaningful and up to that point you know as the leader i, I was just i felt like i was knocking it out of the park right the company was growing we were getting more contracts we were adding employees all the things you might expect of an ADHD entrepreneur. But then when it got to the point where, you know, we needed some processes and policies and procedures, you know, we would, we would lay out these processes that were supposed to solve all the chaos that we were experiencing in this growth phase. And guess who was the one who would violate those processes every day? It was me, right? So I think that was sort of the, the, the event that led them to say, look, we, we spent hours identifying these processes that we think are going to make everything smoother and you're the one that goes and mucks them all up and we you know we gotta we gotta get on top of this you know that was that that's sort of how it came about yeah that's <laughs> that's funny i knew you were gonna say it was you anyway <laughs> um <laughs> yes um i am curious so you know when you think about now you are an educator you're you're a professor at syracuse and you work with entrepreneurs every day yeah. mm -hmm. do you what sort of messaging or encouragement do you give around this topic of ADHD and uh, entrepreneurs, or does it come up as part of your daily teachings? A little bit of both. So, so not so much in the classroom because the classes I teach, there's already a curriculum, but in the, uh, in the mentoring I do, in the coaching I do with our student entrepreneurs, we have many of them. And um, we have a Blackstone launch pad on our university campus, and that is just a hive of entrepreneurs with ADHD. One of the things that's important for them to realize is that um, it, it is an advantage to them if they know how to harness it, because they, they've grown up in educational environments where they've either been encouraged to take meds just so they'd be easier for their teachers to handle or their parents to handle, They've been brought up with this thought that, you know, there, there's something wrong with you and you need to be medicated in order to get right. And that that stays with them. Right. So when they're launching their companies, if they, you know, make a mistake or screw something up, then it kind of goes back to, well, you know, there's something not quite right about me. And this is why I did that. So the message is usually, hey, yeah, everybody makes mistakes, but you've got to learn how to harness everything that's super positive, because look at what you've done so far compared to the average student at the university. And this is really something to celebrate. And let's let's harness all the good aspects of it and, and help you grow more. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that is important, the, the coaching and, and understanding what's going on. But I also know for a fact that some people just need those meds. I, I used to work with a guy, he would come into work and I, I could tell if he didn't have it, I'd be like, nope, go home, go home, take your meds, come back. Cause mm -hmm. like, I'm just not, I'm not gonna deal with you today. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And it's very individual, right? So from, from my experience, I didn't have great experiences either with me or my kids. Although just like you described, Corey, my daughter was the same way. So, so my son had, he could focus, but he wasn't himself. My daughter could, um, could take the right dose and focus, 
And, you know, maybe she had a little bit of appetite suppression, but that was about it. But her, her roommate does the same thing. Her roommate could tell if she's on her pill or not just because of her behavior. And she, she just, she's able to get a lot done, you know, as she's just able to do it. And, and I know other people who, if, if they don't take their ADHD medication, they're, they're just a mess. So it's, you know, I, I, never, I never approach it from the perspective that meds are bad because I don't believe that. What I do believe is bad is just a blanket suggestion among healthcare providers that because you have ADHD, you should be medicated. That, that's the thing I have a problem with. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you, um, do you have any statistics on um, how many um, people have undiagnosed ADHD as adults? No, it's a, it's a hard thing to get to the bottom of. I mean, we know roughly 13% of the population does end up with a diagnosis. Um, and actually, in one of the studies I did of successful entrepreneurs, we found that 62% of that population had ADHD, which is quite a bit higher than the general population, right? Which kind of validated our hypothesis that there, there's a link there, there's something going on. But no, I, I mean, I, I can't even guess how many people are undiagnosed, but if, you know, depending on where you spend a lot of time, like, you know, I spend a lot of time with student entrepreneurs and in my world, it's a very high percentage. <laughs> how would you, or, or what, what's advice would you give for somebody, let's say either as an employee or as an employer dealing with somebody who, who, who has uh, ADHD or exhibits symptoms or, or, or whatever of ADHD, because I've, I've had to work with people in the past, uh, an old business partner where, and she was all over the place um, and everything was a priority. And it used to drive me crazy. Cause it's like, no, we need to work on this. Now we need to work on this. Now we need to work you know, it was like, we need to focus, fit, you know, pick one thing. Let's, let's work on that one thing. Um, so how would you uh, uh, suggest dealing with people like that? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something I do with, with my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients. So exactly what you described, right? So when, when everything's a priority or everything's urgent, then, then what gets done first, right? What is the priority? And this idea of sense of urgency is usually very high among people with hyperactive and impulsive ADHD. So when you have the sense of urgency, it tends to drive everybody around you bonkers, right? Because of just what you said, we don't know what the priorities are, or you're always on, you're moving too fast. We were talking about this. How did we get to that? Right? So one, there's a few things. The first one is to assign some sort of unemotional accountability partner, right? Whether it's your second in command, like a, a strong COO, or, or just somebody in the organization that could be the person who's been deputized to kind of throw the flag when you're doing that, right? So it's, it's basically a a meeting we have and an agreement we make where, hey, you know, Julie, you're, you're so hyperactive and impulsive and everything's urgent. It's not working for Corey. We're agreeing right now that when you do that, Corey's going to throw a flag and you're going to take it in and say, okay, I need to take a beat. And it, it's, it's through that process. It's just the recognition because when you're, when you're that impulsive or when you have that sense of urgency, you don't often notice it because you're just moving a thousand miles an hour. Right. So having that partner who can say, hey, um, where did this come from or why aren't we focusing on what we agreed yesterday was the big thing that that's that's an important part. The other thing and, and there's other things that the person can do. Right. So that's that's just external. But there's a lot of science that shows a movement practice, like some sort of exercise every day, super important because it's just it releases the chemicals you need to calm yourself down. It gets rid of some of the ants in the pants. 
really important. The other thing that's been shown to be very helpful is some sort of regular mindfulness practice. And I know mindfulness is getting much more popular now, especially during the pandemic and being locked down. But what's interesting about mindfulness a lot of times when you do meditations or anything, you're focusing on your breath. So it's actually focusing you on something and you're, you're paying attention to how you pay attention to things. And that in and of itself is really powerful and interesting. So that, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of techniques that, that we can employ and a lot of them are very individualized and personalized based on the, the traits and the behaviors and the exhibits because each trait can be positive and it can be negative, right? So if you think of, um, you know, uh, uh, some of the hyperactive impulsive traits, right? So somebody who's highly proactive, right? You see a lot of proactivity among people with ADHD, at least the hyperactive and impulsive uh, part of it. So if you're, if you're highly proactive, what it looks like when it's helpful is, hey, you're, you're, you're ahead of the game, you're thinking ahead and you're proactive and that looks functional. But when it's harmful or dysfunctional, it looks like you just jump the gun on everything, you act too soon, you're unfocused, you know, and likewise, when, when you have this high sense of urgency, like you described, when it's helpful, you're very productive and you get a lot of things done. But when it's harmful and dysfunctional, it looks like you're overly impatient, you switch priorities really often, you know, that's not the thing. And the other thing that, that's really important is this idea of low perseverance. So, you know, low perseverance, you know, can look functional in that you move on quickly, right? So you make a mistake, you screw up, you just have a short memory and you move on, right? But when it's harmful and dysfunctional, it could look like you just give up too soon and you don't care. So there, there's this yin and yang or a, a positive and a negative to all of these different traits. Yeah, that's a lot of, a lot of information there for, for us to digest <laughs> for sure. Um, and super helpful, but we gotta start wrapping up this podcast. Um, sure. Is there one last piece of advice that you'd wanna throw out to everybody listening? Yeah, if, if you do think you have traits, you can go uh, get, look up the ADHD self-report scale. It's just a short questionnaire that'll give you uh, an indication of whether or not you do have traits consistent with the diagnosis. And then if so, you can decide whether or not you want to go see a mental health provider. Love Great. that. Yeah. And uh, I guess we can, we can drop a link to that in the show notes as well. Great idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it to you. And, yeah. I'll send it to you. Okay. Yeah. Great. And then uh, can you just let everybody know how, uh, if they want to get in touch with you, how they can do that? Yeah, sure. My email is john at thetorrensgroup.com, T-H-E-T-O-R-R-E-N-S-G-R-O-U-P.com. Awesome. Great. We'll throw that in the show notes as well. Thanks so much for joining us today. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Yes. And if you want to connect with us, we are on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find out everything about us on our website, sbpace.com. And while you're out on the website, go ahead and hop on over to the podcast and subscribe, like us, and give us a review. And if you want to be a guest, we've got a form out there on the website you can fill out. Uh, reach out to us, let us know. And if there's any topics that you want us to cover, uh, just send us, an, send us a note. We will be happy to, to cover that. Um, 
And we also have a book out there, Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. It's a number one bestseller on Amazon, and there is a digital workbook download available on our website as well. And you know what? If you've already bought and read the book, go out and review that on Amazon as well. We really love those reviews, and they're important for small businesses. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America. 